Hey, hey, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Ooh, all right. Kind of subdued. It's cold outside. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Um, well, I am excited that you are here. Thank you for coming today. It's so good to have you guys. I, of course, just, I mean, Katie and Macy, can we give it up for them? So good. So thankful to have you guys. So I want to start out today by saying, uh, there's a saying that you never know what you have until it's gone. Absolutely. I have found that to be true in many different situations, many cases in my life, that really and truly you never know what you have until it's gone. But I think that the inverse of that is true as well, that you never know what you're missing until you try it. You never know what you're missing out on until you try it, until you wade in a little bit and test out the water. And the reason why I bring that up is bridge groups. So this is the last Sunday. You can sign up for the bridge groups. They're going to start in February. It's going to run through April, February, March, and April. And, uh, and they'll be open. You can still sign up until the end of January, but this is the last Sunday to sign up. Why is that so important? I think about before the Bridge Church ever launched in Mount Olive, there were a group of guys that got together from all different churches, all different backgrounds of faith, and they said, we want to just study the Bible together. We want to learn and grow together. And I have had a chance to talk to really all of those guys privately. They've done it now for years. They have been super intentional about setting aside part of their week to come together and have fellowship, come together and pray with one another and for one another, come together and study God's word. And each one of them, if you ask them, what is one of the major growth catalysts? What's, what's one of the best things you've ever done for your spiritual health and your spiritual life? I guarantee you 10 times out of 10, those guys would say men's group, that men's Bible study that we have. And so, guys, I bring bridge groups up, and I just want to promote it and pump it. And every, every time we have these sign-up months, you're going to hear me talk about it. And if you get tired of it, then this just probably isn't the right church for you because I am going to unashamedly promote it, not because we need something from you. We've already, I mean, not to brag or anything, we've already got more people signed up for groups this coming semester than we had last semester. God has been so good to us. But I want something for you. I want you to be able to experience what it's like in a group. And so I just want to encourage you, the way you sign up for that is you go to bridgechurch.cc. At the top, there's a tab that says groups. If you have any questions or concerns or whatever, feel free to stop by the guest services desk right after church, and they will help you sign up for one of those groups. Let me just throw this out there. You can actually filter the groups. We are one church with three locations, and so you can actually filter, if you want, the groups by the Mount Olive location. That way, the people that you're in group with, you'll actually you know, see on Sunday. And so anyway... Just want to throw that out there. I will also say, if you are a University of Mount Olive student, I want to talk to you very briefly right after church today. I promise it'll take 10 minutes or less, very brief meeting. If you guys could meet me in the back of the auditorium right over there, I just want to chat with you and tell you about um, how we're doing bridge groups for you guys, and so it won't be a long meeting. All right. 
So there's the commercial. All right, now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Um, We are in the middle of this series. Really, today, we are at the end of this series on confidence. And so the past couple of weeks, we've talked about the source of our confidence being Jesus Christ. We've talked about the roller coaster of insecurity and how all of us deal with doubt, all of us deal with uncertainties, and how do you gain confidence? Last week, we looked at this guy in the Bible. His name is Gideon. He went from zero to his nation's hero, zero to hero in uh, Israel. That was in Judges chapter 6 through 8. And uh, we just really looked at the roller coaster of insecurity in Gideon's life. And so, listen, I hope all of those messages have been helpful for you. I hope you've learned. I hope you're starting to see some confidence rise up in your life. Today, I want to I flip the script on you. Today, we're going to change it up a little bit. Today is not about how do we gain confidence. In this last installment of this confidence series, what I want to do is I want to talk about how do we develop confidence in others? How do we help others build confidence in them? Whether you realize it or not, all of you are an influencer, There are people that take their cues from you. There are eyes on you. You are an influencer. Now, some of you, you're very aware of that because at work, you're the boss. And so you feel like, well, I've got to get there early. I need to stay late. I need to set a good example. I really need to limit my lunch to whatever time my lunch is supposed to. I need to follow the rules because all of these employees take their cues from me. Some of you would say, well, I'm not the boss at work, but I am a parent, and I know that I'm carrying around in the back of my vehicle little parrots, and anything I say may, will definitely be used against me later in public. They will bring those things up. They will say those words. They will act like daddy acted earlier in the car, you know, and so... Uh, I was driving to to school one day with Mason, and uh, he's four years old. And I was like, wow. He said, "Uh, Daddy, why you say wow? I said, that person cut me off. And I did so good, guys. I mean, I would tell you if I did more than that, but I did so good. And so then he gets to school, and he told his teacher that somebody cut Daddy on the way to school. And so, you know, here's my point. You are an influencer whether you realize it or not. A lot of you do realize it, but for some of you, you may be going through the checklist in your mind right now, and you're like, nope, nope. I mean, I wear this hat and that hat. and I, Pastor Andrew, I don't know that you're right. I don't know that I, right now, in this current state of my life, am an influencer. I want to push back on that. I heard a teaching like this for the first time when I was in youth ministry, when I was a high school student. It was my youth pastor. It was a Wednesday night, and he talked about, he came at it from the example. You are all examples. Someone is following your example, so be careful what you do. And I got to thinking in my life, I was like, no, I just, I'm a student at school, and I don't think anybody follows my example there. And at home, I do have a younger sister, but Lord knows she doesn't do what I tell her to do. And then, you know, at work, I worked at a seafood restaurant, and I was the low man on the totem pole. I'm the guy that had to go to the cooler and carry in the fish and covered in grease, smelled like seafood at the end of every ship, like 
pretty sure I'm not an example to anybody. And then, so it was my junior year, prom was one month away, and, and within a week's time of hearing that sermon, hearing my youth pastor talk about being an example, within a month's time, I had this girl who was in my class come up to me, her name's Jennifer, Jennifer came up to me and she said, hey Andrew, are you going to Emily's house after prom? I said, yeah, that's my plan, why? She said, okay, cool. I'm like, uh, well, why? I mean, just, you know, curious. She said, well, I told my dad that's where I wanted to go, and he wasn't sure about me going there. And then I started naming off some of the people that were going, and he said, oh, Andrew's going? Well, if he's going, yeah, you're good to go. Uh, Jennifer, do I know your dad? I mean, I'm sitting there racking my brain. I'm like, I would know him if he walked in. Like, I'd seen him at athletic events. I'd seen him... But it's not like we knew each other. It's not like we were even acquaintance level people. And yet, it was startling to me. Oh my goodness, I am an example to somebody. And, and let me just set the record straight. I was a pretty good kid in high school, but I was not perfect. I don't know if he should have taken his cues from me, but this father did and felt comfortable. And so the point I'm trying to make to all of you is whether you know it or not, whether you realize it or not, especially in the era of social media, somebody is looking at you. You are an example. You are an influencer. You motivate people. You encourage people. The posts you make, the things you share, the things you do, you are an influencer. And so that begs the question, how am I going to use my influence? Knowing that eyes are on me, knowing that people take their cues from me, what kinds of cues am I going to give them? I think Paul gives us some direction. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Let's read this together. Therefore, encourage one another and, read this next part, build each other up. Here's what's so cool. I didn't tell the band I was using this scripture. The band didn't tell, I had no idea. And so, it's just Jesus, folks. Welcome to church. So here we are. Read this one more time. Build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Now, Paul is issuing this challenge. He's telling people, you got to build each other up. But the interesting thing is, this verb right here, build each other up, that was used in other places to describe the construction of a home. It, it was not used in this way in other places. It's used to, to talk about building a home. So what I want us to think of today is the construction project of confidence. All of us, as we try to instill confidence in each other, I want you to think about every morning when you leave your house, you are putting on your tool belt, you are putting on your hard hat, and you are heading off to the construction project of confidence. I don't know a lot about building homes, but here's a couple things. I've been around some people that have built homes, and I know that if you are building a home, uh, Craig, our media director, and his wife, they're building a home right now, and I'll ask them, hey, man, how's it going? What's the update? And sometimes it's exciting because some, some weeks you get to pick out the new light fixtures and the flooring and the paint colors. We're getting to make all these really fun decisions, and all that's awesome. And then some weeks... The workers didn't show up, 
And what are they doing? And this guy's waiting on this guy, and he can't do his thing until somebody else comes. And so when we get ready to build a house, it takes time. It takes coordination. you got to get all these subcontractors on the same page and on the same sheet of music. It takes intentionality. It takes hard work. If there's a house being built, somebody's sweating. And so it takes effort. The same is true of building others up. When we want to instill confidence in others, when we want to be people builders, which is what we're called to be, it's going to take intentionality. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take some coordination. You're not going to set out to build a house today and be living in it by Super Bowl Sunday. It don't work like that. When we go to instill confidence in others, when we go to raise up new leaders, it's not like you start the process this Sunday and then next Sunday they're leading the team. And so how do we do that? What does the process look like? How do we get there? I want to give you four things, four things that are true of people builders. We're going to jump right in. Number one, people builders give others a personal challenge. People builders give others a personal challenge. I could have gone anywhere in the scripture. I picked a verse uh, where Paul is challenging the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter, one, chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Paul says you are called. God is using you. You are here for a purpose. It is his will. It is his plan. So live a life worthy of of that plan. Paul is calling those Christians in Ephesus out of comfort zones, out of what's in it for me mentality, and he is calling them, I want to challenge you. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I think about the Green Bay Packers. It's the time of year when we all think about football, big games next Sunday. Years ago, the Green Bay Packers were bad. For 12 years, they lost 75% of their games. In 1958, they lost 90% of their games. They had 10 consecutive losing seasons. They were terrible, okay? And then something changed. Something changed. The next nine years, they won 75% of their games. So they went from 10 consecutive losing seasons to nine consecutive seasons where they win three-fourths of their games. They won five national championships. They won the first two Super Bowls. What changed? They had the same stadium, same fans, for the most part the same team. I mean, there is some transition in nine years. So, so what changed? They had a gentleman by the name of Vince Lombardi come and coach them. They had a people builder come and coach them. And here's what he would say. He believed that accomplishment had more to do with effort than ability. Had more to do with effort than ability. He said, <clears throat> excuse me, there's more to this life. Just putting it in our context, there's more to this life than just what I can do. I, I need somebody to challenge me. Because if I'm not challenged, I'll go to work, I'll come home, I'll plan my vacations, I'll come to church occasionally, I'll just live 
a regular, ordinary, everyday life, we all need to be challenged. And so that's what Vince Lombardi did. And guys, let me tell you something. When we talk about being a people builder, when we talk about instilling confidence in others, that is so huge for our church. That's huge for us. We have a history for a couple reasons. The first one is we have a history of doing that here at the bridge. I'm going to, many of you may know this, I grew up here at the bridge. Lauren, who sang this morning, she grew up at the bridge. Brooks, who led worship as well this morning, he grew up at the bridge. Pastor Jared at our Princeton camp, he grew up at the bridge. Gage, uh, Curry, our videographer. So many of the people, men and women, who are on staff today were kids and bridge kids a few years ago. I think about in this community, uh, there are, unto I don't even know all the numbers. I started to write it down, and I literally began to, I was like, well, you know, and you could count this one and that one. And I think about in uh, Smithfield, one of the fastest growing areas in our region, their youth pastor, uh, Scooter Murphy, who's a major catalyst for their growth. We went to church together. We there, was, there is just a history, there is a culture in our church, and it's so important to me that we keep this culture of being people builders, of giving young and emerging leaders chances and opportunities. And if they mess up or they drop the ball a little bit, we give them another chance. We don't say, oh, well, you blew it. I think about growing up here. So, I, Pastor Farrell would let me preach. He would let me take small leadership opportunities. I think about once I got on staff, I, I shared with you guys last week, I was a three-quarter time children's pastor. Wasn't even full-time. He gave me opportunities to preach. I had opportunities to do announcements, baptisms, communion. I mean, it was like, Andrew, we want to grow you. You feel called to pastor, so we want to give you opportunities to do what it is you feel called to do. That's why Lauren and Brooks and Jared and Gage and Curry, all of those people are so gifted and so talented now. It's not because their talent suddenly emerged overnight. You know, they woke up and, oh, I can sing. I'm going to, let me go lead worship. It's because they did it and they were given opportunities. And there were times where they goofed up. Them, not me, but they goofed up. No, man, my, oh, I, I don't even want to get into stories about me, but one of the reasons why this is important to me also is because I want that to be the culture of the Bridge Mount Olive, of our church. I don't want that to be the culture of days gone by. I want that to be our culture currently. I think about when we launched two and a half years ago. Guys, I could have preached and done announcements and done the pre-service huddle, but I said, no, I don't want this to be the Andrew. This is not about Andrew. This church is about Jesus. And so got Pastor Ivan do announcements, got Pastor Ivan to do the pre-service huddle. Now he's awesome at it. He does a really good job. Why? He preaches sometimes when I'm gone, but he preaches a lot of times when I'm here. Why? I want to give opportunities. That man has a calling on his life. And so we have to give other people opportunities. Last week, he was gone. What happened? We got a college student, Christopher Daly, come up here and do the welcome time. Did a great job. 
He's done it three or four times now. We are going to continue to make opportunities for him to do that. We want to pour in and invest in leaders. Here's my mentality, and I want this to be your mentality as well. If somebody can do something 80% as good as you, you got to let them have it. you got to let them have opportunities to grow and develop because they'll never get good if they can't do it. They'll never have a chance to sharpen and hone those giftings if they don't have a chance to operate in them. And so it's not just preaching and, and teaching and announcements. I think about the parking lot. One of my hopes, one of my dreams, what I want to see is I want to see in our parking lot, when you pull up at this campus, you see the most pleasant, friendliest, fun, welcoming parking lot people on the planet. Not just like at a church in Mount Olive. I'm talking on the planet. I want them to be waving, hey, good morning. So that when you pull in, I know what happens on Sunday morning. I get here a little bit early, but it happens at my house too. The kids aren't dressed. The tires slack or the tires flat or there's no water in the Keurig or, you know, it's like all these things and there's just this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you get to church and sometimes you're not in a churchy mood. Am I preaching to anybody a little bit? Your neighbor, huh? You don't want to admit and so when you pull up and there's somebody just waving with that big old Mickey hand in the parking lot, a smile breaks out on your face. You're like, hey, this is pretty cool. I was a little crabby on the way over here, but I'm ready to go. I'm ready to worship. So here's how that happens. Here's how we get the best parking lot people on the planet. We've got to make space for young leaders to be able to do it too. So you have a seasoned person, and they're going to transfer their experience, but then you have this young leader, and they're going to be doing crazy stuff because they've got all the energy and enthusiasm, and some of that energy and enthusiasm is going to transfer over to the seasoned person. The experience is going to transfer, and you get two people who are on fire for Jesus and welcoming and friendly and so that's the way it happens. I know I use the parking lot. I know I use preaching. But put that in your context. We've got to issue a personal challenge. Number two, people builders trust others with responsibility. People builders trust others with responsibility. I want to show you a quote by Craig Rochelle. He's the pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma. Here's what he says. When you delegate tasks, you create followers. When you delegate responsibility, you create leaders. So if all we do as leaders is delegate tasks, you have a bunch of people who are come around you and they're good at doing whatever it is you tell them to do. But the only problem is if one day you're not there or one day you move on to another opportunity or one day something happens to you, those people are lost. And so we can't just delegate tasks. The, the shift we have to make mentally is to build confidence in other people is we have to learn to delegate responsibility. We are in the people building business. I think about in scripture in the book of Acts, there was this guy who was excellent at this. His name was Barnabas. Now, Barnabas, here's what happened to him. He was an encourager. He was a connector of people. Well, there comes along one day this guy named Saul, 
And if you're new to church, let me just kind of explain something to you. Saul had his name changed to Paul. Paul was Saul. Saul became Paul. Is that confusing or is that good? Is that helpful? So there was this Damascus Road experience, this dramatic conversion where Saul meets Jesus. He gives his heart to Jesus. And so Saul goes out and he says, well, I can't sit still. Now, Saul had been persecuting the church. Saul had been killing believers. Saul had been anti-Jesus. He has this dramatic experience, and now Saul is pro-Jesus. But let's look at what happened in verse 26 of chapter 9. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. Yeah, he's been killing people. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Saul, that's, that's nice, but you're going to have to prove it to us. You've been hurting Christians. You've been hurting the cause of Christ. You've been killing believers. We're not just going to take you at your word, brother. Because their thought was, I bet this guy, he wants to know all the inside scoop. And so he's going to try to infiltrate our ranks. And then he's going to clean house. He'll get every one of us. And so the believers were scared of Saul. So you had Saul over here. You had all the believers in Jerusalem over here. Now, Jerusalem was like the center. It was the hub of Christian activity in that day. And so you had these two sides, and there was this gap between them. There was this rift. These people are scared of this guy. This guy has no way to kind of break in. But then something changes. Verse 27, then Barnabas. Everybody say that with me. Then Barnabas. Let's try it one more time. Then Barnabas. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So here's Saul, here's the believers. The way that this gap was able to be closed was there was this guy named Barnabas. Barnabas brought both sides together. And so look, what happens from there is the, the Christians in uh, Jerusalem, the apostles, they trusted Paul. They trusted Saul, as it were, with this tremendous responsibility. Okay, we're going to let you go out on a missionary journey. You feel called to minister to the Gentiles. Go. So that's exactly what he did. He went out and he ministered to the Gentiles, tremendous amount of responsibility, tremendous amount of trust. Well, the story keeps going. So they were on their first missionary journey, and they take this young guy with them. They take this emerging leader with them. His name is John Mark. About midway through the trip, they were running into some adversity. They had run into some brick walls. They had gone into this city. They only had one convert. And, and so things were kind of getting hard. And John Mark looks at Paul and Barnabas and he says, I just, I'm homesick. I just don't know. I don't want to do this anymore. And so he goes back. So Paul and Barnabas finish their missionary journey. They go out. They do what they're doing. They come back. And now they're reloading. Now they are getting ready to go out on this second missionary journey. And Barnabas brings back John Mark. And scripture tells us that there was a sharp disagreement. I would imagine it went something like this. Uh-uh, you're not bringing him. 
That guy's a weenie. He quit on us last time. We're not taking no quitter on this missionary journey. But Barnabas pushes back. And he says, Paul, we've got to. We've got to give this guy another chance. And so there's this sharp disagreement. And so Barnabas and John Mark go their way. Paul teams up with this other guy named Silas, and they go their way. And the result was the ministry effort was doubled all because Barnabas said, I'm going to be a people builder. I'm going to be a confidence builder. And you know what, Paul? It wasn't that long ago. I remember some apostles in Jerusalem saying some of the same things about you. Don't trust that guy. Don't go with him. And I trusted you. And now I want to trust John Mark. John Mark went on to write the book of Mark. John Mark went on to be a tremendous man of God. Here's what that shows us. Nothing builds confidence faster than having someone you trust put trust in you. Does that make sense? Nothing builds confidence faster than having someone you trust put trust in you. You ever, you ever been doing something and a kid want to help you? Like you're cooking and making a cake or maybe you're cleaning. You're doing something and a kid wants to help you. What happens? You make more of a mess. It takes longer. Odds are the finished product is not as good because the kid's slinging egg everywhere. Some of the cake mix fell on the floor. But if you don't teach them when they're willing to learn, later they won't want to learn and you'll have to force them or they'll never learn. Here's my point. We have to pour into the next generation. Is it going to take time? Yeah. Is it going to take intentionality? Yeah. Is it going to take hard work? Absolutely. But it's so worth it. So people builders give others a personal challenge. They trust others with responsibility. Number three, people builders give honest counsel. They give honest counsel. Do you guys see the progression that's kind of happening here? So it starts out with you see something in someone. You think, oh, man, I think they're a leader. Then you give them a chance to do something. You call them up, say, I want you to do this. You give them a chance. Then you back up and you let them do it. And then what happens? Then you need to give them some feedback. Hey, come in. Let's talk about how it went. Why? Because we all have blind spots. We think we're doing awesome. And in reality, there are some things that if we made some adjustments it would go way better. So we all need, and I said counsel, but really that word there could have been feedback. Let's read Proverbs 24, 26. It says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. It's kind of strange. Here's what another translation says. An honest answer is the sign of true friendship. If I will be honest with you, even though I... I don't want to give you, I don't want to tell you stuff you don't want to hear. I don't want to be perceived as being mean or rude to you. But if I will do that for you, it is of benefit. It is helpful. It is me saying, I love you too much to let you keep making the same mistakes. Let's keep the kissing scriptures going. Here we go. Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. 
What does that mean? Wounds from a friend. Somebody who I know is a friend. Let's say Pastor Jim, our senior pastor here at the bridge. Let's say he were to watch today and he were to give me some feedback on my preaching. He would probably tell me some things that mm, I don't want to hear. Hey, Andrew, I think if you would have done this, it would have been a little better, or you could have done that. Wounds from a friend, though, can be trusted. It is for my benefit. It is going to be helpful to me if ultimately I will listen to that. But an enemy multiplies kisses. That means an enemy, somebody who doesn't care about you, they'll just compliment you. They'll just say, oh, you did great. That was a great idea. And, the, and, it, and they're just multiplying these kisses. And, and really and truly, it wasn't a great idea. Oh, you look great in that. I think bell bottoms are making a comeback, you know. And you're like, no, why didn't you tell me? Because you're my friend. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. So here's what I want you to think about. When you think, when you think about feedback, okay, I'm going to build people up. I'm going to give them feedback. I'm going to make sure I do this. I want you to think dynamite. I want you to think dynamite. Feedback is like dynamite. When it is used well, when it's handled properly, it is an incredible tool. And it can be used to build others up. You ever been to the mountains? There are places in the mountains you couldn't have roads if it weren't for dynamite. They used explosives. They made something useful out of a place where otherwise you couldn't have a road there. Feedback can be just like that. But dynamite, if it's handled carelessly, it can blow you up. It can scar people. It can be very, very hurtful. So when we go to give feedback, here's the filter we need to have in our mind. Am I telling them this for my sake or for theirs? That, that needs to be the filter. The dynamite feedback filter is, am I telling them this for their sake or for mine? And if you can genuinely say it's for their sake, then go ahead. That feedback, although they may not want to hear it, although it may be like the wound of a friend, it can be trusted because you've run it through that filter. So people builders, again, they give others a personal challenge. They trust others with responsibility. They give honest feedback or counsel. And then number four, the last thing, people builders expect the best. People builders expect the best. So there was this guy, he was a, a professor at Harvard University. His name was Robert Rosenthal. And he did this study, he did it in the San Francisco area on first grade and second grade students. And he told the student, he told the teachers, and some of you teachers may be familiar with this, but he told the teachers, these are the five best and brightest students you have in your class. These are the top five. And so those teachers taught that whole year thinking they were the five best and brightest. But really, this is the important part, those kids were chosen completely at random. There was no rhyme or reason to the way that those five kids were chosen. Here's what teachers said at the end of the school year. They filled out an evaluation. It was found that those students, their IQ had increased 15 to 27 points during that one school year. Teachers described those, student, those students 
those top five, as happier, more curious, more affectionate, with a better chance of succeeding later in life than the average child. Let me remind you, those five students were chosen at random. How could that be true of each and every one of those kids? The teacher's expectation changed. They looked at those students and they thought, I can set the bar high for those students. What, what's the takeaway for us? Hear me, guys. In the areas where you are leaders, in your volunteer roles here at the church, in your homes, even in your secular jobs, if you set the bar low, everybody can jump over it. Everybody can meet the requirement. Everybody can get there. Everybody can do it. If you set the bar low, everybody can make it. But if you set the bar high, yes, there may be some people who won't reach it, but you will have people who will do far above anything they ever imagined. You'll have people who will hit that mark and greater. Why? They would never have done it on their own, but you set the bar so high, it challenged them and it caused them to expect the best out of their self. And so, guys, listen. Why do I preach a sermon like this? Last week, we... we did an expository look at Gideon. We kind of went verse by verse through those three chapters in Judges. And then this week we completely, why? It's so important. Because if we want to see our kids grow up to be all that they can be, if we want to see leaders emerging in our church, if we want to be successful leaders in all areas of our life, We've got to be on the construction project of confidence. We have got to, to give a challenge, to give opportunities, trust people with responsibility, to give honest feedback, and then expect the best. And I promise you, when we begin to make those things ingrained in who we are and what we do, we will see leaders emerging all around us. Our kids will emerge as leaders in our homes. We'll have leaders on our job sites. We'll have leaders, an abundance of leaders here at the church. That is my prayer. And I think it's possible if we take building confidence in others seriously. And so let me tell you how this has played itself out here. Uh, I have an announcement to make this morning, and I'm a bottom line kind of guy, so let me give you the bottom line and then work back into some of the details. Uh, Brian Towton, who is our student ministry director here at the Bridge Mount Olive, uh, he has agreed to become the new part-time student and children's ministry leader and pastor at Rivermont Baptist Church in Kinston, North Carolina. I got to tell you, I could not be happier for the Towton family. So several years ago, when we were launching the Bridge Mount Olive, Brian came in my office and he sat down and he said, man, I want to go to Mount Olive. Uh, he, was, he was already in grain there at Princeton, but he said, I grew up, I went to Southern Wayne, I'm a Grantham boy, and I want to be a leader there at the church, and I feel like God's called me into ministry, and so I want to do that. I said, man, that's awesome, Brian. I want you to run my parking lot. Uh, did you not hear the whole ministry thing? I said, no, I want you to run the parking lot. And here's why. I did that intentionally. 
Because for people who think that stacking chairs is below them or being in the parking lot is below them or doing set up and tear down is below them, ministry is above them. Because Jesus, who is our example in all things, he was a servant leader. What did he do? He's the most, uh, he's the most powerful man in the room, in that upper room, right before he was taken uh, in the resurrection. And what did he do? He washed the feet of his disciples. Brian didn't balk. He didn't bat an eye. He started running the parking lot, did an incredible job. Then after about a year, year and a half, Brian came and uh, we, had a, we were launching a student ministry. Asked him if he would lead that. He led that. Has done a great job. And now at this point in time, we just, it's not a part-time position for us yet and it is for them. And so we get to be ascending church. We get to be a church that launches new leaders out. So let me just tell you some logistics. What does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, during the timeline. So Brian is going to be telling the students today, which is why I wanted to tell you that way if your student comes home and you know, you'll know what's going on as well. Uh, next Sunday, Brian and his family are going to be in Disney. They just had that plan. That wasn't, you know, like a parting gift or anything. So they're just going to Disney. And then the following Sunday, we will have them here. We will pray over them. We will launch them out. Your students will get a chance to be here and say goodbye to them. So I want to encourage you, uh, make sure, especially if you have students, make sure that they're here on that February 10th day. We're going to pray over that family. Uh, I did try to work out a little trade where they could have Brian, but we got to hold on to his wife, Mary Catherine. They weren't excited about that, so we are going to lose both of them. Uh, but seriously, guys could not be prouder of that family. What does that mean for us? I don't know yet. I don't know who's going to lead student ministry for us. So I'm asking for your prayers. It could be somebody that's already on the team. It could be somebody else who steps in to leadership. We don't know. So begin to pray for Brian, for Rivermont Church. Pray for uh, us and our students as they uh, make that transition. We've got a great team who's going to handle everything in the interim. So we won't we won't skip a beat, but, uh, but be praying for us as we do go through that transition. And hey, if we do the things I talked about today, get ready, baby, because that'll continue to happen. And that's a good thing. And we want to be confidence builders. Amen? Amen. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to come see me after church. Let's pray, guys. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that over and over again in the scriptures, we see men like Barnabas emerge. Men who saw something special in a person. They saw leadership. They saw gifting. They saw talent. And so they issued a personal challenge. They trusted people with responsibility. They did all those things that it takes to build leaders. God, our prayer right now is that we would begin to see that in us, that, that that mentality would develop for each and every one of us, that what the history of this church has been with being confidence builders and people builders, that that would continue uh, to be the case. God, I pray, Lord, that we would see confidence rise in this house. Your word tells us that the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest. God, that's what we're doing right now. Send laborers. Help us, uh, God, give us the wisdom we need 
to develop confidence and courage and to raise up another generation of leaders to do what it is you called us to do. Teach and preach the name of Jesus until you return. God, I pray for each and every one under the sound of my voice. Bless them and give them a great week. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.